0: The use of a land acknowledgement is to honor and acknowledge my presence on the traditional lands of our First Nations peoples. It was a practice by First Nations people when traveling through other nations' territories as a sign of respect. I acknowledge that the city of Hamilton, where I record this podcast, is situated upon the traditional territories of the Erie, Neutral, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Hamilton is also directly adjacent to the Haldeman Treaty Territory. This land is covered by the Dish With One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, which extends between Montreal and Fort Erie. It was an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinabe to share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. Hamilton is home to many Indigenous peoples from across Turtle Island. This land acknowledgement is a small gesture to recognize the rich history of this land and so that I may better understand my role as a settler, as well as a neighbor, partner, and caretaker. Today, I think about the children who didn't come home from the residential schools. I think about those who made it home and were never the same. I stand in solidarity with the murdered and missing Indigenous women, girls, LGBTQ+, and two-spirited peoples, and all those who fight for justice on their behalf. Miigwech. Thank you. Welcome to the arena, where sometimes the hardest part is showing up. My name is Linda McLaughlin. Thank you for being here. I wanted to take a different approach to this episode, so I reached out to a few fathers who'd been on the podcast previously to hear their perspectives on fathers and fatherhood. First, you'll hear Stefan Dyer, a comedian, entrepreneur, and co-founder of Malpensando, a bilingual school that helps people become funny, confident speakers. Stefan was previously on the podcast as episode 18. Next will be Jesse Lipscomb. He's an actor, former athlete, activist, and entrepreneur. He founded the Hashtag Make It Awkward campaign to combat racism, misogyny, homophobia, ableism, and hatred. Jesse was episode 23. And finally, Lyle McLaughlin, my little brother. He is a senior drilling engineer who has worked extensively overseas and across Canada. He's a distance runner, cross-country skier, canoeist, and former distance cyclist. Lyle was episode number one. Thank you for listening. This is episode 34. The purpose of today's conversation is about fatherhood and what you've learned and maybe what you've observed by having the experience of becoming a father, how you maybe reflect differently on your experience of being a son. This is Stefan.
1: Definitely.
0: Your story certainly stuck with me as someone who leapt in with both feet. You had so many changes of life recently.
1: Thank you. I it's very interesting that, that you say that because I still don't really <laughs> see myself. I'm like every day I'm like, oh my god, I'm a father. <laughs> and that is my son. And he looks exactly like me. <laughs> And it's the weirdest, most incredible thing where I am super proud, yet other times I am super scared, anxious, frustrated, happy, grateful at the same time. And I'm glad that my lack of financial freedom Mm -hmm. years back when I first quit my banking job to be pursue my professional career in comedy. I'm glad that didn't hold me back from living life. What three words would you use to describe your father? Discipline, integrity, and competitive.
0: Hmm. And which of those do you think you've taken on? yourself? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I am very similar to my dad in that sense. I'm definitely more of an extrovert, but I am very competitive and very disciplined. I think I consider myself high integrity, high accountability. And now that I'm a dad, I had never really connected the dots. And I called him the other day and I thanked him for many things. And I said, thank you for not hitting us for, I don't know what the word is in English, but like in Spanish, is like por no pegarnos, like hitting like spanking us. As, as kids, his mom, so my, my, my parents are Peruvian. My dad is Peruvian and his mom, my grandma, which we deeply love was a disciplinarian in the house. And, and he would beat the hell out of my dad and my uncle. And that had some consequences that I can't, I will never know. But to have the courage to break that pattern, I really thanked him for that. There's severe consequences of you having endured that violence growing up. And now that I'm a dad, I'm more aware of how lucky I am to have a dad like my dad. And he really instilled in in, in me the belief, just the belief that I was good enough to compete anywhere and to achieve anything. And to me, that is priceless because to this day, and even more now, I really believe I'm going to accomplish like incredible things. I'm just really grateful that I was raised by my, my mom, my dad, my stepmom, and in a very healthy environment. And how did he respond when you acknowledged that? My, my dad is a quiet man. He's not very extroverted or he doesn't speak that much. He, he was just like, thank you. It, it was very hard being hit by my mom. And I think he really appreciated it. As a dad, now I see all of these instances where I get pissed. Or I get frustrated, I'm like, These, this could go sideways if I don't calm down. And just the fact that I consider myself a, a, a very healthy, well-intentioned, high accountability, integrity person, I think that has a lot to do with my parents. So he appreciated it, definitely. This is Jesse.
0: What three words would you use to describe your father?
2: Ah, uh, Three words to describe Richard... Larry Lipscomb, Uh, I would say kind, creative, and patient. Yeah, that's my dad.
0: And what characteristics, good or bad, do you think you've inherited from
2: him? I think kindness, for sure, and patience and creativity. All three of those, now that I think about it, like when I think about my father, I think about the person who would always strike up conversation with anybody at any time. So if it was someone experiencing homelessness, I remember as a young child, I wanted to get to where we're going and my dad would be 20 minutes deep into a conversation. He also always kind of makes the person he's talking to feel like they're the only person in the room. Yeah, I think all three of those qualities for sure uh, pops passed on to me. And this is Lyle.
0: What three words would you use to describe your father?
3: My dad was probably talkative. He was friendly. And I would say he was outdoorsy, camping, fishing, that kind of stuff.
0: And what characteristics, good or bad, do you think you inherited from your father?
3: Oh, (laughs) don't get
0: me angry. (laughs)
3: Yeah, no, good or bad, right? The McLaughlin temper is well documented. Yes, speak for myself. Only passed down on the Mm -hmm. male side, of course. So yeah, that's probably one that's blatantly obvious to anybody who's known me. Spent a lifetime carefully honing, overreacting to uh, trivial things. (laughs) But yeah, that's on that side. Uh, On the good side, like I, I... said on the outdoor standpoint as a family that's not just dad but that was definitely something that we did as a family that i have continued to do and passed on to
2: my own kids
0: what is your most vivid childhood memory of your father
2: my most vivid memory of my dad there's two because I just saw two in my mind. I just saw them. Okay. So the first is my dad is a, a, a painter. He's an artist. So I just always, he always had his sketch pad with him. We would go camping and he'd be sketching us. We'd have a Christmas, Easter, whatever it is. He's always in the corner sketching. So him as an artist for sure. Um, the second one is my dad used to have like a Teddy Pendergrass big beard. Uh and my and my all my like youth years, that was what he had. And then I remember when he shaved it off and all of us were scared of him. Like we didn't recognize this man. And I remember that. I was like, what where's my it was like shocking to us. Now they're all flooding in my mind now. I'm remembering playing catch with him. and I hit I hit his finger with a football and it dislocated and it was sideways. <laughs> So you know when you're sleeping and you have those hip, hypnic jerks where your body just like like shakes or kicks? and Yeah. So I remember I was on the couch and my dad was sitting near my feet and I had one of those and I kicked him and I broke his rib and he had to go to the hospital. This is, <laughs> I, know, these are, I don't know. That, you asked me for memories and all of a sudden all these little ones are popping in my mouth. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. You kick like a horse, man
2: yeah that's that's how the sports happened we needed to put those fast twitch muscles into something more productive yeah, right. <laughs>
0: oh wow what's your most vivid childhood memory of your father
3: well that's a good question
0: there's all kinds of you know they're good
3: and bad memories when fights happen or disagreements happen those are vivid memories right whenever strong emotion is there it's it's present i i can remember some some crazy ones but i don't want it to sound like you know we, we were we as children we were in a in a threatened situation cuz uh, dad could be quite loving I, I remember he'd give hugs that were so long they became uncomfortable you, you know it's just kind of like okay like like my daughter anna says to me sometimes dad don't make it weird <laughs> <laughs> you know so, you know, I mean. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, I and it's funny. I remember towards the end of our parents' marriage, I don't know why I focus on this, and childhood memories are cloudy. Did that happen then or was that? Am I mixing that up with something else? Things kind of blend. And uh, But I remember he, he was going back and forth to what was going to be our new home of Victoria. And he had come home for a weekend visit must have been Father's Day or something like that. Or maybe it was his birthday, which was at the end of July. And yeah, when I say long, uncomfortable hug, he gave me this hug that just went on for forever. Like he wouldn't let go. And and the way I remember it, and that may not be true, but a few weeks later, we found out our parents were getting divorced. So, you know, you sort of look back on that and you go, did dad know what what he was going to do or what was going to happen in in terms of asking for a divorce? And so this was the last hug. I, I don't know. Like you just... You, you make all that up. You fill in all those details, but that—that's a vivid memory. Like I—I I remember, like my dad was wearing his white short-sleeve dress shirt at the time. Mm. Like that's—that was dad's uniform. Like yeah, polyester cotton blend. He'll probably bought it at Sears, the men's store. <laughs> yep. What's
0: something you'd like to change about your relationship with him?
3: With my dad, well, I mean. I spent a lot of years, he's passed away. I know you know that, but your audience may not. He passed away in 2017. And I had a relationship with my dad in in the last, oh gosh, probably 10 years of his life. But for probably a good 10 years prior to that, I really didn't. And it was, again, as a result of the divorce, I had a hard time dealing with that. I had a hard time dealing with my dad. There were some other circumstances there, but, and I just kind of, I just shut him out. Between you and me and Laura, we all dealt with that situation differently. And for me, I, I just, maybe I couldn't deal with it. So I was like, okay, I just closed the door. I just cut it all off. It's what I needed to do. I, do I regret it? Eh, it's It's what I needed to do. But that's 10 years. That's a long time. And like, it wasn't, wasn't any fun for dad. I think in the end for him, I don't know. I can't speak for you. I can't speak for Laura, how close his relationship was with any of his children. And so that's a bit sad for him. He made some choices. We all made some choices, but it's kind of, I I do regret that, right? I do feel, feel bad about that, but I, I don't know. If I could go back and you know tell myself at the age of, what was I, 12 or 14 at the time, you should do this or you should do that. I don't know what I would tell myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there something you'd like to change
1: about your relationship with your father? I would have liked to handle my quitting from the bank better because I told him when I had quit because he paid for my education and had supported me along the way and I'm not sure if the right word is that it hurt him, but it definitely created unnecessary friction because it appeared like I didn't trust him or I didn't care about his opinion. When in reality, which I've had conversations with him about this, it was that I knew he was the only person who could convince me to not quit the bank. So I protected myself from that. Because I really wanted to quit. And when you're so volatile or on the fence about something, you really don't want to have a conversation with that person who can tilt you. Because I respect his opinion so much. So I could have handled that better. Mm-hmm. And I've spoken to him on several occasions to apologize in in, in many ways and and to tell him that it wasn't because I didn't respect his opinion or I didn't want him to be part of the process, but because I was scared that he could convince me otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I think I I would change that. And in many ways I I would love to, to see him more. Like I tell him all the time that I want to go see him more so that Liam, I really want Liam to have a family because I grew up in Costa Rica with Peruvian parents. So in many ways we were immigrants. So I didn't have an extended family in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And then in El Salvador, it was my stepmom's family, which became my family, but I didn't have my grandparents or my cousins, or I had my step cousins, which are like super close to me and I love. And then in Mexico, we didn't have a family. And then here I don't have a family. Now, until I married my wife and I had Liam, this really felt like home. And when I look back, I'm like, fuck, like I created for him the same thing I was running away from. He's not going to grow up with an extended family. So while that doesn't mean he'll be miserable, but I really want him to feel like he has a family and I want my father to feel like he's a grandfather to my son. It's an incredible feeling to be able to go and, and show your kid to your parents. It's like one of the best things in the world to have them love your son. And I really want them to love my son more than they love me, like hmm. infinite amount of time. So it's incredible what that creates. What's something you'd like to change about your relationship
2: with him? Something I'd like to change about my relationship with my dad. Um, there's, you know, I have to say, there's not a, a lot. I really love our relationship, my father and I. Through growing up, and he, I can always see he spent time, the proper time, with me, and was always supportive. If I had to change anything, it would just to be have more one-on-one time. I traveled with my dad w- once, and that was awesome. I'd love to take more trips with him. Mm-hmm. Um, just in general. But I uh, yeah, have a great time with him. He's he's a very fun, loving human being. And I'd like to do more fun things with him. So I don't have to change it. I just, if there's anything I want to do, I just want to make sure I get it done. You know?
1: Where were you when you learned you were going to be a father? <laughs> we were in my old apartment. It was just a one bedroom and den. And I remember that <laughs> I told my wife was like, oh, I'm going to stop taking the pills now because uh, you never know like some couples try it for a long time and i'm like don't worry this is going to be instantly cuz my dad has 5 kids my brothers <laughs> have 3 or 4 kids each like my dad and my brother became parents when they were 18 or 19 or 20 like game over like, don't worry about it so a couple of weeks later my my wife was like i think i'm feeling some stuff i think so we got the the pregnancy test and we were in the, the bathroom and it's like, okay, wait for two minutes. And we were looking at it and we, w- I covered it with, with a towel and like, three, two, one. And it's like, and it wasn't. It was too soon because it, it, it wasn't then. But next month, <laughs> I even filmed it and I'm like, don't worry. But the next one, I'm like, this is game over. And three, two, one. Yeah. And we hugged and it was very cool. But I think to me, the greatest triumph was not that was just deciding that we wanted to be parents and really being happy about it really planning it really being comfortable with who we were regardless of money but everything is subjective like i always look back to when i quit the bank and i'm like what's the worst thing that can happen like i have to go work at tim hortons or starbucks that's incredible this is the epitome of privilege this is like how amazing that the worst thing that can happen is I have to go work at Starbucks. This is incredible. And it was just an incredible feeling. We got married with all our loved ones. We are in a good position, healthy. We planned this. We have our own place. And now we want to have a family. I think, to me, that was the, the best moment. And... The birth was incredible and everything, but to me, it was just like coming together and and saying, we want to have a family. And where did the name Liam come from? It's a name that we picked because nobody could butcher it in English or Spanish. (laughs) So Liam is Liam and Liam is Liam. And my last name, it's supposed to be Irish. I don't know why, but my whole family is Peruvian, but Dyer is Irish. So Liam Dyer... Sounds good. It just came from picking a name that everybody could pronounce it in Spanish and English.
0: Where were you when you learned you were going to be a father? What were the circumstances?
1: I was
3: standing directly above my head here, <laughs> up in the kitchen, right next to the, the railing that goes downstairs when it's, it's the modern way. The wife comes up with the old pea stick and says... It's a plus, or it's a yes, or it's a happy face, or whatever it yeah. is. Grotesquely, I still have that pee stick somewhere. <laughs> but Seriously? Yeah, I got it. Up, you know, it's up in a drawer. But the, it doesn't, there's no happy face, or plus, or whatever is on it. That's all the, the LED screen is gone. But yeah, it was great news. It wasn't a surprise, because we were trying. We're, we weren't young when we just
0: started, or decided to have kids. And what are your children's names and what's the story behind their names?
3: With Anna, you know, we went through a bunch of names, but the real criteria was for both our kids was we live in Quebec, which is a bilingual province, French and English. And Krista's pre- parents are Austrian and German. So their mother tongue is, is German. And there's lots of relatives in there who are, are German mother tongue. So it had to be a name that was easy enough to to, to pronounce or in all three languages. <coughs> So that, that kept it fairly simple. And Anna was on, a li- on the list. Her middle name, Olivia, was also on the list. And it, I think originally we had decided we, we can't name this child until we see it, him or her. We didn't know the sex. So it was like we had a lot, a lot of names. And then when we saw what was Anna, what is now Anna, it was like, yeah, that's Anna. And I can't remember what the middle name that we had, but all of a sudden, Olivia jumped in there as well for her middle name and so that was pretty quick and Mm -hmm. easy and in adam's case who came along a few years later that was his name as well we had joseph uh in there as well which was my grandfather's name our grandfather it was adam joseph and then we added actually krista's father's name in there as well abrahart so it's adam joseph abrahart mclaughlin if i ever need to get his attention all four names come out (laughs)
0: Where were you when you learned you were going to be a father for the first time? What were the circumstances?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, fun. This is neat. Okay, so when <laughs> I, I – I believe I was in Lapinladi, Finland or Amsterdam, one of the two. My, uh, my wife was traveling with me. I was a professional track athlete. And, oh, it was in Finland. We were in Finland. And the reason I remember this is because our plan was to go to Amsterdam to party. Uh, and then we found out that she was pregnant there. And so the Amsterdam trip kind of got a little bit more G-rated. So yeah, <laughs> that was that's, what, that's where we were. And uh, it was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. How did you find out?
2: If I'm remembering correctly, it was a stick pee. She didn't come out of the bathroom. I was definitely there. Like, let's, I want to see every process of what's happening. How does this thing work? But yeah, I, if I recall correctly, it was uh, peeing on a stick and seeing the plus sign. And then there it was. We, uh, and it wasn't, we, you know, we wanted to have a child. So that was, that was the plan. And it could happen at any time, but we definitely mm-hmm. weren't home. And
0: what was a moment when it kind of really hit you that Oh my god, I'm a dad.
2: No, I don't know if I ever had one of those moments. Well, yeah, I guess maybe. I I wanted to be a dad since I was 8 years old. I like being I, I was always ready from the time I could speak knowing I wanted children. Um, but my first son, Chili Hurricane James Lipscomb, he was a big boy and he didn't want to he didn't want to come out the regular way. So there was 27 hours of labor and then then it turned into an emergency C-section. And so, oh. you know, uh, my wife was in the operating room, but I couldn't go in because on the emergency C-sections, you don't get to be there. So she was put out. Uh, and then after, they just delivered me this child. Now, she didn't see it come out of her and I didn't see it come out of her. And so both of us missed that experience. And then they just rolled a bassinet to me. And my wife is still out of it. So it was like, I just take care of it but like, I did, I'm like, I, I like, is this for sure mine? I didn't see it come out, and I, it didn't look like me. It looked, it didn't look like her either. Cause I mean, babies coming out are they are weird and squishy and, and don't, yeah. So he looked like a completely different race. And I remember I'm like, I hope they gave me the right kid. Uh, and so then that, that was the first piece, but I also had to do a lot of the, uh, initial care and working with latching and making sure that my my wife was all right because she you know was like a week uh, out of it so it was like full-on dad mode which i loved it was really neat and we got to do the bonding i think that often dads don't necessarily get in that first week in the same way so that was special and that definitely felt like it was daddy time
0: Hmm. and what are the names of you have three boys right what are your what are your kids Correct. names
2: uh Chili Hurricane James Lipscomb that's my oldest my middle child is Trip Ryder Binary Lipscomb and my youngest 4 year old uh and Trip's 11 13 Chili and 4 years old his name is Indiana George Porter Lipscomb
0: wow those are like some serious names love
2: those yeah love those. yeah well we so we went to uh, Chili and Trip's mom and I went on a uh, A trip to New Orleans. So I was shooting a movie and Hurricane Katrina happened. And I remember I was sitting there thinking about how I'm playing make believe right now. And there's some like real stuff going on. And I had friends in the South. And then the next day I got a call from Shannon and she was a morning show radio host. And they were putting together a a kind of a teddy bear drive where they wanted to raise a million teddy bears and take them to all the displaced children from the hurricane. And she asked me to come because I had some experience in the South and she really didn't know her way around. So I left the movie set uh, with the good grace of the producer and went on this trip. And so this is where the names came from. We went on a trip in a big rider van for Hurricane Katrina relief. And so on on our trip, we were talking about baby names and Chile was one of my favorite countries. Uh, His name was going to be Hurricane as a first name, but we went with Chili instead, uh just to, just in case he wanted to be CH lipscomb. Like maybe we were a little too wild for him, but I think he loves the name. And oh, and the last piece, binary, trip rider binary, because he was born on a binary palindrome. So he was born on 01110 for forwards and backwards the same. So I wanted to put that in his name. And then Indiana is named after Indiana Jones and Gregory Porter, our favorite uh, jazz musician.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Like, that's a whole amazing story just, just in those moments, Fantastic.
1: <laughs> what have you learned about courage being a father? In terms of, of courage and vulnerability, the biggest hit for me was having to take care of him for two full weeks. I had to be a stay-at-home dad. It was a gap between when my wife finished her mat leave for a year and when Liam started daycare, mm-hmm. so there was a two-week gap. And because of my work flexibility and me being home, I was like, of course I'll take care of him. And and I knew it was going to be physically exhausting. But I had no idea how mentally and emotionally challenging it was going to be. To the point, and I've said this in other places where I – and I don't say this lightly. I, I, I think I was depressed while, and this is very important. I was really grateful, happy that I could spend so much time with him. And at the same time of being happy and grateful, I was feeling horrible at 5 p.m. When my wife got off work and she could help me. And it was just a sense of losing my, my, my. Independence, like I felt zero productive. I could do nothing that I liked. I had to follow him. I was like nobody during the day. And as you people know, a one and a half year old requires a 100% of your attention no cell phones, no nothing. And it's beautiful because you're there with him and he's laughing and he's, but when he's crying, oh man, or when. He's not cooperating just like any one year old would do. It really hit me. And even when he started going to daycare, there was a week where I was just, I just felt like crying. I don't know what happened to me, but what I learned from that is that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to feel okay. And I didn't want to feel guilty for not enjoying it more. I I felt guilty at times for not enjoying that time more. And when I came out the other side, I was like, hey, not everyone is the perfect father. Not every child-parent relationship is a Disney movie. Not everything is perfect. And this is what it is, I -hmm. think. it, It was very hard, which got me like a newfound respect for moms, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, nannies, caregivers, anyone, especially teachers at daycares and everywhere. It, it was a huge eye-opening moment for me.
0: Mm, what a gift.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. A, it was a real treat, definitely. <laughs> How has fatherhood changed you? It has evolved. Now especially when Liam was born, I never wanted to live so badly. I don't want to miss any moment. I want to be there for every, every soccer game of Liam. I'm projecting now I want him to play soccer. Any Anything that he wants to do, anything he does, I want to be there. And I want to be there for his high school. I want to be there for his graduation. I want to be there for his wedding. And before I was like, yeah, I want to be with my wife who I love and my parents, but for this match, for this life, I want to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And and then it ev- I still feel that, but it then it evolved to me having moments where I compared myself to my dad a lot. And as I told you, I really gave up on on my financial like I had I I made a lot of money when I was at the bank. When I quit, I didn't have that. So for the first months, it it really was like, fuck, what if I can't give my son what my dad gave me? And then I was comparing, would that make me a bad dad? It's like comparing yourself to other people on Instagram. It's horrible. Don't Comparing yourself is horrible in any, I think, in any circumstance, because everyone has their own journey. It's hard for me to take the backseat. So I haven't mastered it. I don't know if I'll ever master it, but it's changed me where now... I value downtime a lot. I value it more than before. I really take pride in clearing out my schedule to, to be with him, be with my wife. It's taught me that I'm not going to be the center of attention forever.
0: <laughs> what have you learned about courage
3: in being a father? It comes at you. like It's not in your control many times right so you just have to dodge and bob and weave and parry and thrust as the science projects or the sickness or the skidded knees or or worse kind of comes your way it's just you sort of just you just have to deal with it it's dropped on you boom courage sometimes courage is just thrust upon you right you don't get to decide well should i deal with this blood or not no you just do it
0: was there a moment when it really hits you that, oh my God, I'm a dad?
3: It, in, in Anna's case, I wasn't home when she was born. I was overseas and Anna, Anna was 19 days early. So I was planning to be home in about four or five days, a week ahead of time, it was all going to be good. But Anna had other plans, so she showed up. So, you know, Anna was born, I was somewhere between Doha, Qatar and London, England. And by the time I landed in London, she had been born. And so I arrived here in Montreal. Friends had picked us up and drove me to the hospital and dropped me off. And I walk into the room and and there was Krista kind of dozing in the bed with Anna at her side. And she's got one arm on Anna's belly. And that's my baby. Yeah, it was just like like images that are just seared into your your brain. Like just Krista, the orientation where Anna was swaddled, that the shade of blue in Krista's gown, like it's just all very vivid. So, yeah, away we go. How
0: has fatherhood
3: changed you? I'm sure it has. There's. Uh, how has fatherhood changed me? Life changes. I, I always joke with Krista, my wife, about when things go a little kitty wampus or pear shaped. I always joke, I had a good thing going before you came along, <laughs> kind of thing. Right? But, I mean, the reality is, you know, things I was doing when I was. 20 or 30, I wouldn't be doing now anyway. I played a lot of soccer. I don't play soccer anymore. I used to ride my bicycle across continents. I don't anymore. I never used to canoe. I do that a lot now. You evolve and you roll with it partly as you age, partly as your kids age, as you introduce them to things. And some some things you introduce them to, it's lightning in a bottle and others it just falls flat. Anna loves to hike, but really he's not interested in canoeing adam loves to canoe so you you adapt and you just evolve
0: what have you learned about courage being a father
2: i don't know if i could say that i have necessarily learned anything about courage if anything i would switch it for like trust you know that idea of at some point it's different stages in our children's development you just have to trust that they're good to go in that scenario. Um, But not necessarily courage, I feel and maybe I am speaking as a father of three and have forgotten. (laughs) Because right now with my (laughs) four year old and my toddler, I'm like, yeah, jump off. I don't jump off it. It's fine. And if you hurt yourself, it's fine. And it will fix it. And you probably won't do it again. So, you know, I don't know if there's a, a, a ton I've learned courage wise, other than wanting to ensure that I I instill that level of courageousness in my children. I feel like I live a relatively fearless life, so it's not uh, a thing that I've struggled with.
0: How has fatherhood changed you?
2: It definitely slows some part of life down. So I think a little bit more about decisions, career decisions, in the sense of, do I take this film uh And if I do, how will we be able to ensure that I still see my children properly if I'm working in another country or another city? You know, it just, it basically ensures that I am putting other people first. It's definitely changed me and man, it should change me more probably, but I'm still, I'm like, I'm pretty clear with the kids that dad has a life and you guys are coming along for the ride versus... My whole life has changed now. I have kids and I can't do the things I love. Now, I'm probably healthier as a result of having children, just in the fact that they have stuff and I'm a professional bus driver now, so I have to be awake <laughs> to take them. But yeah, other than that, you know what? Here's how it's changed me. It's taken a ton of my fun away. Um, it's made me have to watch my mouth a little bit more, maybe go to bed earlier. So thanks a lot, kids. Appreciate that. It's, a, you know, obviously it changes like anybody in different ways, but I I was pretty clear that we were going to make sure that it didn't affect us in the way that our kids grow up thinking we're there only to make sure that their lives are fulfilled. Not quite the opposite, man, and a little bit of both. They both have to, it has to help both ways. They know that they got to support their parents in what they're doing, and we do the same, and that their parents have full, rich lives. And I, I hope that will be a, a healthy thing for them to see later, too.
0: Mm-hmm. I saw, I think it was on Instagram. You were giving them a
2: sprint demonstration
0: in, in the neighborhood. Has anybody uh, got the wheels that Dad
2: Dad has? Or,
0: or you no, know, like
2: these these boys, they are always testing, and one day they'll get there. But I, I have said from the beginning, I'm like I'm not the dad that lets my kid win. Like, oh, you great work. <laughs> no, not, not a chance. You don't beat me till you beat me. And, and when you beat me, you know that you beat dad. If We're playing basketball one-on-one, whatever. I will dunk on my children. I will beat them 21 to zero. If we're playing crib, if we're playing poker, I will take their allowance money, put it in my pocket and spend it in front of them. You, if you want to step to dad and try and take the throne, uh, you have to earn it. And I love it because they love it. They're like, I think I'm ready. I'm thinking, ready. let's race. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I have a good time. And that was fully passed down from my grandfather. I never beat my grandfather, Roly Miles. He's a ex Hall of Fame. I never beat him in a race. I never beat him in a race. And I remember our very last race, he beat me with a cart full of groceries. It was like a race to the front door of the grocery <laughs> store. And I was very young, probably like nine, but he smoked me. And that was our last race uh so you know and he didn't let anybody win either uh my dad's the same thing we used to wrestle all the time wwf now wwe was our thing and we'd be just tearing up beds and breaking the bed he wouldn't let me win until i could win uh which was that was pretty fun so yeah same thing with my kids you gotta earn it
3: what's your hope for your children's future you really have to be careful because i i think All parents, they want their children to have a better life than they had. And when you think about my kids or you versus your parents, your grandparents, and so on, as a society, things have improved. And while people would say they would they haven't, until you explain to them that your mother remembers frozen ice on top of the water pail on top of the kitchen stove in the morning, and then you ask them if things are better or worse today, you know my hope for my kids yeah that the world continues to be a better place and and i think it is a better place generally speaking in the middle of the covid pandemic today than it was when we were younger and that continues for them and i hope they they find their own passions and things that they pursue and that they love and that they're able to pursue and, and do them and that they remain healthy in our larger family aunts and uncles and things like that generally we've been quite fortunate people have been quite healthy we haven't lost anybody young and you hope that's the case for them too but it's it feels like a lottery sometimes when you read stories that happen to other people whether it's childhood cancers or accidents or or, or whatever so you hope that they're you know they're happy they're healthy and you try and steer them in the right direction
0: mm-hmm. anything else you'd like to share
3: gosh i don't know i've enjoyed being a father it's i've got more friends to do things with as in my kids i'm not uh reliant on people outside the home to to do things with and, and i'm happy that they wanted to do things with me you know I've got one one teenager and one one preteen but yeah I, I would encourage anybody who's reluctant yeah go for it be a father or be a father figure you don't end up with kids of your own but there's charities out there that i benefited from when i was young big brothers and big sisters and stuff like that that you can be a part of a young person's life and and make a difference it's pretty cool
0: what's your hope for your children's future
2: my hope for all of them is that they have confidence in themselves and their ability to do anything they want, and then c- courageous enough to go after it, uh, to not let failures get in the way. I will never be someone that says, don't do that thing, that's not a real job, or do that. What I don't even care what it is, as long as they love it and try their hardest. Um, so that's my hope, that they don't miss out on life as a result of fear and as a result of fear and or video games, <laughs> I probably will change in a bit, but I'm like, that's a lot of hours. You could have written four books or created your own video game right now, but I also get the social aspect and uh, either way. But yeah, that's my hope. My hope is that they, they can just walk through life confidently knowing that they can do whatever they want to do and that they find things they love and know that they're not stuck to the only thing that they decided they love. And, Life, they say, is short, but truly it's the longest thing anyone has ever experienced. So feel free to have some time to play, experience, and uh, and figure it out for yourself.
0: Is there anything else you want to share before we finish?
2: Um. Yeah, you know what? Because I'm sure I'll share this podcast with my dad. So I will say, Dad, listen, I love you so very much. I feel very lucky that you made me on that. Wonderful night with my mother. I don't know the details, but I imagine it was probably one of the best nights ever. And thank you for creating me on that day. I've had a great time uh, being your son. Uh, You've taught me tons, and I'm proud to be your son.
0: Beautiful. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah, I really appreciate it
1: too. What's your hope for your child's future? what a great question I my hope for him is that he can be himself I've spent the majority of my life trying to fit in I like to think that I don't do it that much anymore I don't do it anymore I was talking on my business partners podcast and he also lived in, in five countries and we were laughing at the fact that we done we've done so many things to fit in like imitating accents or, or adopting accents so that we could not be the, the the outcast. The more I think about it, which is easier said than done, is that the same things that I was ashamed about or, or tried to conceal or didn't want to show or reveal or share are the same things that make me better or a better speaker, a better father, a better husband that made me connect better with my audience. So I really wish for him that he can be himself and embrace that. And I have a really good quote that I love, which is escape competition through authenticity. And the competitive side in me has really doubled down on that. Where for the longest time, it was like the my best shot at making it is just being me, which is very hard. Is there anything else you want to share? With- I do believe that you end up understanding many things when you are a dad, and you, you learn to appreciate your parents even more. I really want to participate more in my dad's life. I want him to come to Canada more. I, I'm really trying to get creative to <laughs> to invite him more, to, to see him more excited. I, I, I get really intense sometimes, so I have to try to calm down because it, it doesn't seem from his body language at times that He's very excited to see us or to come to Canada. He's come once since I've been like in the last 10 years or twice since I've been in Canada and for 19 years. And in many ways, it makes sense because I'm the only one here and, and a lot of our family is there. So logistically it makes more sense, but it really means a lot to me for my family to come see what I've created here. So I've invited my mom. Anytime she's here, she's been here like five times. I've invited my brother who doesn't want to come cuz the visa is too complicated. I've invited my dad many times. I want him to come more. I want him to spend more time with him more. So I don't know. I guess what I take from that is I I have to take action. I I have to go see him. I have to make it happen. I have to be part of my son's life and life won't wait. Like it's mm-hmm. now. You can't act like you're going to live for a hundred more, or you're going to have more lives. I think I have a, a deep understanding of what's important. Now, I'm just really proud that it has come full circle, and now I'm going to, I'm really going to take advantage of it. Fantastic. Thank you. This is incredible. It, it always seems to me like episodes with you are amazing because you have... The most incredible questions, <laughs> you're an <Thank> incredible you. <laughs> listener, and it's always a curveball, which I enjoy immensely.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. It's, I was surprised by some of the answers. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was it was interesting to hear the answers, and you went in some directions that I wasn't expecting. Which, us, so. which
1: answer were you surprised
0: about? Well, I think the what you shared about the two weeks and how you felt yeah. depressed like how mentally and emotionally drained you were as a result of that. And, you know, that you took that on as an eye-opening experience as opposed to, oh my God, I'm so glad that's over and just really sat with it. And To
1: think that my wife went through that for a year, Mm -hmm. it was heartbreaking for me because I would be in meetings and I, I would just hear Liam crying or she would be in the room. And, and when then I think about moms that are stay-at-home moms and there's no end in sight. Single moms, yeah. And sing, oh my God, and single moms. And and it's fine because a lot of, I've spoken to some moms where they're like, oh, I love this and this is the best thing and, and you just have to be patient. But it's not like that for everyone. So to me, not everyone is made to be the perfect commercial Disney type dad or mom. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and especially with Instagram now, like in Pinterest and everything, like you compare yourself to that and it's horrible. Yeah. And it's horrible to feel like you're not enjoying it as, as you should. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a huge eye opener for me that what a lot of parents go through and you know what this fuck, this will fucking sound horrible, but, dads who leave there's and I would never do that but I'm like I fucking get those guys I get those guys it is very tough and it doesn't make them I'm not justifying it but I'm like or moms who leave I'm like I get that and and I love my son but there's moments especially where you just feel like the crying is you're not good enough. You're a fucking shitty dad or whatever. And it's all in me. My son is a normal kid, but it's challenging. It's very challenging. So, it, And a huge applause to moms who don't want to be moms or dads who don't want to be dads. And you apl- You have to applaud the honesty of, mm-hmm. of saying that up front to other people. And while it's the single best thing to happen ever in my life, it's not for everyone. And, and even if it wasn't for you and you still did it, huge respect.
0: A big thank you to Jesse, Lyle, and Stefan for joining me again in the arena. I'll put links to everyone's work and social media as appropriate in the show notes. I also wanted to highlight a couple of things each of them have been doing over the last couple of months. Stefan wanted to help professionals in the Latino community by creating Zoom meetups called Not Working to Networking. They're fun, intimate meetups for professional Latinos in Canada. They're industry-specific, and half the people have a job and half don't. They've done 14 different meetups, and they've been hugely successful in creating opportunities for people who may not have a network in their industry of choice in this country. Jesse has just successfully completed his Kickstarter campaign for a new board game he helped create called Not That Funny, a tabletop game designed to uncover damaging truths behind everyday jokes directed at many marginalized groups and individuals. I look forward to receiving my copy of the game in the coming months. Lyle continues to run, cycle, and canoe as much as he can, and quietly sets goals for himself one of which is completing his sixth World Major Marathon in London, England in April of 2022. He and I are planning on doing a canoe trip together in September. Hopefully, we'll still be laughing by the end of it. Thank you for listening. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast. And if someone else might benefit from listening to this episode, please share it. And if you enjoyed it, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. They really do help. I'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out to me via my podcast website at www.thearena-podcast.com. I look forward to sharing my next guest story. She has a PhD in linguistics and is the first person in her family to achieve a higher education. She now coaches other non-traditional students to help them achieve their academic dreams, with a total of 76 graduates so far. Until next time, my name is Linda McLaughlin in the arena.